Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features two episodes of front page drama called Even Polite Crime Doesn't Pay and A Child Is Born. They first aired in 1938 and 1933. Front page dramas present Even Polite Crime Doesn't Pay. This week's front-page drama, Even Polite Crime Doesn't Pay, is a dramatization of the true-life story entitled Her 21-Hour Ride with Gentlemen Kidnappers, to be found in next Sunday's issue of the American Weekly, the magazine with the largest circulation in the world, distributed free with your Hearst Sunday newspaper. It happened in St. Louis. That is, things began happening in St. Louis. The symphony was over, and Daniel Cox Fahey, an architect, was driving his charming companion, Miss Peggy Gross, home in the Fahey motor car. Then he stopped at a traffic signal. Don't start the car. Get off that fender, please. This is a stick-up. Okay, we go along. Now, I'd suggest you drive over to the curb and stop this buggy before you and the lady get hurt. What do you want with us? You two climb in the back and be quiet. These guns are temperamental. Sometimes they fly off the handle. If it's a robbery, why don't you take what we have? Get in and shut up. We don't want your money. What's the idea? What do you intend doing with us? Nothing at all. We just need your car for a little transportation. We have to take you along so it won't be reported stolen till we're through with it. Nice pickup, John, huh? If you really mean that, we'll go along quietly. Is that supposed to be a concession? Well... Don't let him ride you. He has a bad disposition. What's your name? Mine's Dan Fay. And the lady? Well, hers is... is, um... Peggy, what's yours? Mine's Jack. The gentleman on my right is John. A little bashful among strangers. But after you know him, he has a heart of gold. Down on the floor, both of you. Oh, going to do? Nothing right now, Peggy. The bad-tempered one with the heart of gold is pointing a muzzle of steel right at us. What's the matter? Passing an intersection with several cops. They're taking no chances. They're smart. Are you college men? Well, in a way, I went as far as the sixth grade in public schools. But I really owe my career to my pal John here. We uh, graduated from the big house at about the same time. The big house? The penitentiary. Yeah, Jefferson City. We graduated only last year. Already we're not doing bad. Look at that roll of bills. Oh. Of course, you may find out that there's only a measly $500 reward offered for our capture. But that's not so bad, is it? $500? $500. Like to have it? Try to turn us in and you can leave it to your heirs. Thanks, it doesn't appeal to me. look like a couple of swell kids. You can't always beat the law in this work. We expect it. It's all in the game. But this is kidnapping. 
And since you've already crossed the state line, it comes under the Lindbergh law. So what? Call it off. Climb out of the car and we'll go home and forget about it. Forget us? Hey, are we that dull? Could you really do that? The Lindbergh law is tough on kidnappers. Okay. An aviator expects to crack up and knows that may mean the end. A soldier, he's almost sure he'll never get back. And we know we'll get ours. So what? Well, it's your business, but it isn't worth it. You always lose eventually. Okay. You fix it up with the cops not to pop me in the head. I want to look nice when I'm laid out. You aren't starting that again. I just don't want to be shot in the head. Say, uh, how long have we been driving? Why? I just wondered. Four hours, about. I'm getting hungry. The lady's hungry. That's a good idea. Shall we eat? What are you stopping for? You take the lady and gentleman and go up this side road while I drive back to that lunch wagon we passed a while ago. See if I can get something to satisfy the lady's appetite. Okay. Come on, get out. Scram. I'll be right back. And a few minutes later, Jack was back from a roadside lunch wagon they had passed shortly before. He had with him hot dogs, barbecue, coffee, soda pop, and some fruit. Come and get it! Well, this is really something. At your service, madam. I'm sorry we have no lobster or roast turkey and the caviar isn't fresh, <laughs> so uh, what'll it be? Hot dogs or barbecued pork? I'll take the barbecue. Okay. One barbecue with pickle up. Please. Here's napkins. Hmm. What about you gentlemen? I'll take barbecue. Right. That means you'll take a hot dog, John. I don't want hot dog. After all, they're company, John. I just got two of each. Hot dog. Anything to drink? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Soda pop or coffee, orange, and uh, root beer. Orange. Root beer. Now, wait a minute. I don't want coffee. We're the host, John. Yeah? You can be funny if you want to. We're running this show, and I'm drinking what I want. I'll take the root beer. And, mister, you can take coffee or go dry, see? Coffee's okay. Nasty temper. What do you make a good kidnapper? Here, miss, I'll uh, open the orange. Oh, thanks. Let's be moving on. We have a long way to go tonight. Yeah, probably that's a good idea. Where are you taking us? Why do you care? Get in. And they did get in. Then Dan and Peggy began to be worried. They had been driving northward for hours, and it seemed funny that anyone should kidnap a couple in St. Louis to get a car to do a job as far north as they were going. Finally, Peggy decided to try tears in the hope that they would be released. Peggy let Dan in on her plans. But a half hour later, with no indication of a weeping spell on the part of Peggy, brought Dan's query. What about the tears, Peggy? I thought... I'm trying to, but it isn't easy to turn on the tears. Those fellows may turn around and use one of those guns any minute. Oh, don't say that. Maybe their Confederates are out scaring your mother now, demanding a ransom. Your mother may be prostrate with fear for you. Mother? Oh, I never thought... Why don't you let us go? Why don't you just stop and let us out? We can't do you any good. <laughs> hey, shut up. Why don't you let us out? We can't help you. I want to get out and go home. <laughs> shut up. Did you hear me? She's crying, fellow. She's going to pieces. She can't stand the strain. She better pull herself together. And quick, too, or there'll be trouble. Peggy. 
<laughs> I'm not going to tell you again. Shut up. You better, Peggy. I can't. I can't. It's no use, Peggy. He's just getting sore. Better cut down on the tears. I can't, really. It was hard starting, but now I... I can't stop. I can't. And so Peggy had a good cry. A few hours later, near Minneapolis, Minnesota, the strange ride reached its climax. All right, now. We're pulling the job here. You can either get out and be tied up for a few hours while we get away, or if you want, and you aren't scared, you can come with us. We'll get out. You don't want to have a little adventure? We'll get out. We're going to miss you. Wait a minute. What about the woods up there? How's that for a place to park them? Looks okay. Not too far back, fellows. We might not be found until it was, was too late. What do you want us to do? Put a sign up pointing you out to the tourists? And so about 75 feet back from the road, Peggy Gross and Dan Fahey were securely bound with wire hand and foot. Dan also was gagged, but Peggy was left without a gag and only a warning to make no sound for at least an hour. But no crook is so clever that he makes no mistake. And Dan Fahey had wisely held his feet a little apart as his ankles were bound, so that it was only a few minutes after the kidnappers had departed before his feet were free. Two cars passed on the road paying no heed to Dan's signal for help. In the third car was a friendly farmer. Hello. Hello there. Help. We need help. Help. Hello. I've seen your signal there. Oh, thanks. I'm still bound. What? My hands are bound, see? Kidnappers. Tied us up with wire. See my friend? She's over there. Right. Uh, looks like a girl. Yes, it is a girl. We're from St. Louis. Have you got any wire snippers? Well, just pliers will do, I guess. Well, you sure this ain't no trick? I know I don't blame you. Here, leave me tied while you help her. We've been kidnapped, I tell you. Let's go. Well, I, I guess you have. Oh, we'll fix it all right with these pliers here. They cut wire. We're coming, Peggy. It's going to be all right. A few hours later, long-distance telephone calls to frantic parents in St. Louis assured them everything was all right, and then the law went to work. The trail was hot. The G-men were determined to wipe out kidnapping, and so no delay was allowed to slow the course of justice. The first step was identification. This came after hours of pictures. Young men, old men, Americans, foreigners, any who might possibly be suspected of kidnapping. There, that's one. Are you sure? Father Jones. Yes, that's Jack, all right. Jack, eh? Well, if this is what... And there's the other, the surly one. John, there they are. They're your men, officer. There isn't a doubt in the world. I looked at that face for over 20 hours to photograph it in my mind. That's Jack and that's John. We've been chasing them for some time. And you haven't caught up with them yet? Yeah, we caught up with them outside of Fort Worth, Texas, some time ago. Texas? They were with a couple of girls, hitchhikers. They'd been taking the girls around the country, we found out. Who, did they get away? Yeah, they shot their way out of the trap. They left the girls behind. That must have been just before they came to St. Louis. Yeah, and the fellows got away. All you got were the girls, which didn't do you much good, I guess, huh? I think they're going to help us catch the fellows. You think they'll go back to find the girls? No, nah, they didn't give a hoot about them. Well, then how can they help you? 
One of the guys is married. <laughs> what difference does that make? Well, a crook has a funny mind. He doesn't mind causing other people heartache, anguish. He doesn't mind seeing them die, either physically or mentally, to satisfy his ego and commit his crime. But when his own life is involved, he's a yellow coward. I guess I don't follow. Well, break the story in the press about finding these gals they've been riding around the country with. I've got a hunch that will send the married one sneaking home to tell his wife it's all bunk. And when he goes, we'll be ready for him. And that's what did happen. The story of the girls being arrested in Texas and their confession of going around the country with Jack and John was published in the newspapers. And John went home to calm his wife's jealousy. Jack went with him, but they walked into a trap. Stop! You're covered! Run, John! Run! Stop! Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Okay, kidnapper. You thought you couldn't beat us. You'll get life for this. I didn't do nothing. No, and you aren't going to do nothing from now on. Take him back to the car. I'll go see if we got the guy who ran. Hey, looks like we got him, too. Well, Jack, you got a little of that medicine you've been dishing out to innocent people since you got out of the big house in Missouri. So you didn't want to be shot in the head. Well, you weren't, if that makes any difference now. With death for one and life imprisonment for the other, the G-men closed another kidnapping case. There is no extenuating circumstances for any crime. Even kid-glove kidnappers share the same fate as all the others. Even polite crime doesn't pay. The front-page drama you have just heard was a radio dramatization of her 21-hour ride with gentlemen kidnappers, which is to be found in next Sunday's issue of the American Weekly, the nation's reading habit. The American Weekly... The magazine with the greatest circulation in the world is distributed each week with your Hearst Sunday newspaper. Join the millions of Americans who each Sunday find the maximum of reading enjoyment in the entertaining, educational, and up-to-the-minute stories, articles, and feature fiction by the world's best writers featured in every issue of the American Weekly. The magazine distributed each Sunday with your Hearst Sunday newspaper. Page Dramas present A Child is Born, the dramatization of a real true-life story from My Battle Against Our Deadly Dope Racket by Dr. Arthur Leroux, President of the American Narcotic Defense Association. This very vital educational feature appears in next Sunday's issue of the American Weekly, the magazine with the greatest circulation in the world that comes to you with your Hearst Sunday newspaper. A conservative estimate placed the cost of crime to the citizens of this nation at $18 billion last year. One-third to one-half of that staggering sum can be directly charged to the dope racket whose principal traffic is the deadly drug, morphine. Now listen to the story of one of its victims, beautiful Julia Kay, 
once the toast of Broadway, married to a millionaire, or future assured, until she became an addict to morphine. She finally came to Dr. LaRoe's office with her tragic story. So because of your unfortunate craving for morphine, your husband has been forced to separate from you. And you are an expectant mother. That's my story, Doctor. You must help me. I will. I will, but you must be brave. First, I'm going to tell you the stark bitter truth. Your child will be born a victim of morphine poison. You mean... You mean my child will be born with the craving for morphine, acquired from me? Exactly. You see, in some mysterious way, as yet unknown to science, an antibody which the human system produces fights the poison of morphine, and which then must have more morphine to fight, or it will turn on the body itself and destroy it. Your child will be born like that. But if it has unusual strength and a splendid physique to start with, we might be able to save it. But how, Doctor? You'll have to go through the cold turkey treatment. There's no other way. No matter how much the baby suffers, the only hope of curing that hunger and craving is never to let the child have the tiniest bit of a drug to ease the fire that'll burn in its system. A terrible fire that only morphine can quench. Dr. Lodo, if there's a thousand to one chance of saving my baby, we've got to try. Will you handle the case? I'll be glad to. Only you must understand that no matter what happens, you've got to put yourself and your child completely in my care. What I say goes. I'll do anything. Anything, Doctor. Good, good. Now, to begin with, we've got to build you up so the baby will be as healthy as possible when it comes. I'll do anything you say. I have money. Tony made me a settlement. Not as big as he might. He could have settled for a million. Maybe he would have if he'd known we were going to have a baby. He said the dope racketeers would get all my money in the end. He's probably right. Only they don't know about it yet. I see. Well, that's our job. We've got to keep them from knowing that you have even a dime. Furthermore, we've got to keep those drug peddlers and racketeers from knowing about the baby. Those unscrupulous swine would stop at nothing to see that your baby became addicted. Then they'd have two customers where they now have one. I'll see to that, Doctor. That's another reason why I don't blame Tony for leaving me. He knew this morphine addiction couldn't be beaten, and he realized that sooner or later they'd begin to blackmail him, and his money would be going to support this vice that brings death to human happiness. Now, Doctor, how about me? What am I to do? Well, I'm sorry, but we'll have to put you on a gradual reduction schedule. Get the morphine down to the lowest possible quantity without sacrificing your health. Now, that means you must have constant care and a nurse who will follow directions. Oh, oh no, Doctor, no. Uh, I'm afraid a nurse, the gang could get to a nurse, couldn't they? They could threaten her, scare her. I'm going to put you in touch with a nurse that knows what we're doing. She helped me try to save the man she loved from the curse. She can't be bribed, frightened, or threatened by all the gorillas from here to the coast. I see. Her name is Mary Hughes. Here is her address and telephone number. Thank you, Doctor. She'll, uh, she'll take care of you, and I'll see you at regular intervals. When your time comes, I'll be there. Now we'll see what we can do. Oh, come in. Come in, Mary. Yes. Well, well. How's our patient? Doing nicely, thank you, Doctor. I've cut the morphine down to a quarter grain night and morning. She's feeling fine. Splendid, Mary. Now, if we can keep her on that schedule, we've got a 50-50 chance to win. Is that all, Doctor? I'm afraid so. Naturally, I didn't tell her the whole truth. It'd be bad for her morale. 
But the awful truth is, Mary, the chance of saving the baby of a morphine addict mother are barely 50-50. I can see that now. Any new baby has a hard enough time just being thrust into the world. But when the morphine, a craving for which is present in the baby's system, is denied... Well, there is hope. We might save it. But the important thing is to taper Mrs. Prescott down and keep the whole business a secret from that gang of peddlers and higher-ups. Don't worry, Doctor. I think we can do that and save the baby, too. That's the idea. Dr. LaRoe's residence. Dr. LaRoe, this is Mary Hughes. Yes? It's about Julia, Mrs. Prescott, Doctor. They got her, that gang of, that peddled the drug to her. What? They must have found out her condition. She's gone. Gone? Where in heaven's name? Where? She's in the sanitarium run by a Dr. Blythe. Blythe? His sanitarium is nothing but a high-class dope joint. He's tied into the underworld and dope racket a million ways. Nothing but a fancy peddler. Well, some so-called friend of hers must have worked on her and fixed her admission there. Yes? I just found out they must know she's expecting a baby, and they're after it before it's born. All right. Now, Mary, meet me at the Lexington Avenue entrance of Grand Central right away. Yes, sir. We're going to pry Julia out of that joint if it's the last thing I ever do. Is this Detective Sergeant McGlynn's residence? This is McGlynn talking. Oh, this is Dr. LaRoe, Mike. Oh, hello, Doc. How are you? What can I do for you? Plenty, Mike. Plenty, if you will. All you got to do is ask, Doc. It's the dope ring again, Mike. I got one of my patients, and I got to get her out. Quick. I'm on my way downtown now. Meet me at the Lexington Avenue entrance to Grand Central right away. Okay, Doc. I'll be there with bells on. Ah, there you are, Mary. Now to find Detective Sergeant McGlynn. Oh, so we're taking the strong right arm of the law with us. Absolutely. You can't afford to take any chances. Evening, Doc. Here I am, all set and ready to go. Oh, that's fine, Mike. Oh, this is my best nurse, Miss Mary Hughes, Detective Sergeant McGlynn. How do you do, Mr. Oh, Mike, let's grab a taxi and get going. Time is important on this case. Okay, Doc. Step right over here. I figure we need a good hacky, so I sent for one. That's him over there. Okay, Mo. We got a rush job for you. <clears throat> yeah, hop in, Miss Hughes. You next, Doc. I'll sit beside you so we can talk. North 81st Street, Mo. Now, before you start, Doc, I may as well tell you this isn't going to be easy. This Dr. Blythe is in pretty solid. Yeah. We know all about him, only try and prove it. He's got himself covered a dozen ways. What's more, he's got strong connections that go pretty far up, if you get what I mean. I understand perfectly. We've got to get my patient out of that so-called sanitarium. It's a matter of life and death. Well, if you really have the goods on him this time, we might get the narcotic squad to pull a raid. But even then, it's a cinch the doc would simply slide out from under, take a vacation, come back, and open up again. All right, suppose we can't touch Blythe. So what? We've still got to get the girl. Every hour she spends in his sanitarium is just that much more danger to the baby. She's an addict and going to become a mother, eh? Yeah. That's bad. She's a fine, brave girl, Mike. Just one of the many unfortunates who slipped once and had the kind of constitution that morphine poisoning soon fastened a hold on. It must be a society, Dane. That's the only kind that can get into Dr. Blythe's place. Takes in rich drunks to cure them of drinking. Switches them over to morphine. When they get home, they ain't interested in booze anymore. No junkie ever is. So everybody's happy except the guy that's supposed to be cured. Yeah, and he has to keep running back to Blythe all the time for more morphine. A vile, vicious system. Hey, Mo. Pull over to that big white stone house and park. This is the place, Mary, but I think you'd better stay here and wait for us in the cab. All right. Come on. Let's pay the doctor a nice friendly call. That is, unless he gets tough. 
Mm. Look at this plane. It certainly takes no chances. It's the iron grills over the windows. It's heavy doors. Why that way? Hmm? I'd like to see Dr. Blythe, please. He ain't in. Oh, no? Well, take a look at this. Now, hustle, sonny boy. We ain't got all night. Dr. Blythe ain't in. Oh, no? Well, step aside, Mug. I'll see for myself. Hey, you get out. Get you can What oh. is this, gentlemen? What can I do for you? Uh, show the gentleman into my private office, will you? Yes, sir. The first big door on the right there. Hey, wait, Doc. Now, you. You go first and show us in. We'll follow you and don't try any monkey business. Okay, Dick. All right, Doctor. You follow him, that's it. Oh, certainly, certainly. Come right in. Chairs for the gentleman, William. Skip the Emily Post, Doc. I'll stand here where I can see everything. You sit there at the desk, Doctor. Thank you, Mike. My name is Leroux. You have a patient of mine here without my consent, Julia Kay. I want her out of here and at once. And, uh... If I refuse... We'll take this swell joint apart piece by piece until we find her. And if she's still hiding, we may start taking you apart. I don't think so. That would be illegal. Unlawful entry and search. Possibly kidnapping. I shall stand on my rights. Not if we get a warrant for a raid. There is nothing to raid. I'm running a legitimate rest home. You can't prove anything else. And besides, if you should take it upon yourself to prosecute me... You'd find yourself back in a harness, pounding a pavement in less than a week, Mr. Policeman. No, gentlemen, you can't dictate to me. Now, just a minute, Mr. Blythe. Dr. Blythe, you may have connections and influence. That's the pity. But don't forget, the American Narcotic Defense Association is out to get you, your henchmen and your overlords. We have friends who would be only too glad to see all of your kind on the skids. I'm not trying to fight you nor the big shots above you single-handed. So just think it over. I want Julia Kay, and I want her right now. And if I don't get her... Third floor front, please. Now, Miss Kay is leaving us. Pack her things and help her dress. Hurry, please. There you are, Dr. LaRue. She's your patient, and you shall have her. It's not worth all this trouble. And besides, there will always be others. Okay, we'll be right down. Well, I did it, Doctor, didn't I? Yes, it's a boy, Julia. <laughs> Listen to him. Fine seven-and-a-half-pound boy. You were a brave girl, Julia. But you've got to be braver still. Why, has anything come wrong? No, no, not so far. Can... can I see him? Julia, I told you that you'd have to be brave. But, Doctor, just to hold him, what harm would that do? I know, it's a natural impulse, but, Julia, it would be fatal. Now, let's not take chances now. Your body is throwing off morphine constantly. To nurse your baby just once would mean plunging him into the same condition you're in yourself. All right, Doctor. You know best, and... Perhaps it'll be better if I don't ever see my boy, ever. Because if I ever did get to know him, I'd want him with me too much to ever let him go. And then... Ah, you're a good soldier, Julia. Well, now it's time for your medicine. Oh. 
But look, Doctor, it's been over 12 hours and these spasms continue. You know yourself what we're up against. Even the tiniest amount of a drug given to this child will make it an addict for life. It's got to be cold turkey from the very start, Mary. And if he can't stand it? We must let him die. I've tried everything else. Doctor, he can't even keep water in his stomach. What shall we do? Pray. Three days? Yes, Junior. A 24-hour-a-day fight. But we've won. A baby is cured and will live. I'm so happy, Doctor. I'm happy, too. And you still agree to give him up? Yes. There must never be the remotest chance of his ever falling into the power of those racketeers. And if he was with me, there'd always be that danger. That's the gospel truth. Now, I know where we can find a splendid home for little Tony. Very good, Doctor. I agree. Only maybe you could send me a snapshot of him once in a while. One I could always keep. Yes, Julia, yes. He'd be many hundreds of miles from where not even you or the underworld could ever find him. But we'll always send you pictures and reports of his progress. That'll be all I'll ever ask for. Just that. Julia kept her promise. Dr. Moreau kept his. Julia drifted away and back into the hands of the dope peddlers and racketeers because morphine poisoning is incurable and she must quench that fire that burns within with morphine. By law, it's a crime for a doctor to prescribe morphine for an addict. Consequently, gangsters and racketeers are the only ones to furnish this terrible drug. You have just heard the front page drama A Child is Born, dramatized from My Battle Against Our Deadly Dope Racket by Dr. Arthur Moreau, president of the American Narcotic Defense Association. This very interesting educational feature will appear in next Sunday's issue of the American Weekly, the magazine with the greatest circulation in the world that comes to you each week with your Hearst Sunday newspaper. The full name of this program is the American Weekly Program Front Page Drama. The radio series showcased a true-life story from the forthcoming American Weekly magazine, which was a colorful tabloid full of fiction and news that claimed the greatest circulation in the world and was carried by the Sunday newspapers owned by Hearst. The show ran from the 1930s through the 1950s. It was directed by Paul Keyes. Front-page drama episodes focused on well-acted, short, dramatic presentations of that week's story. Stories such as investigators uncovering a fraud spiritualist, police investigating murder, mysterious happenings on an isolated lighthouse, a man who is dead in one state and alive in another, heartwarming stories of family love, Captain Kidd's treasure map, and many, many more. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.